0: Alright, so, so Sunday, February 18th, 2024, uh, Nehemiah chapter 11, lesson 16. So go ahead and turn to Nehemiah chapter 11. And so, um, I don't know how much material I got, but I may stretch it out for another couple weeks. No, I probably won't, but uh, we may get out early today, I'm not sure. But so on your handout review, I always try to do a review because, you know, some of you guys are, you know, may have been sleeping during the service last week or maybe you slept this week. One of those two, you probably slept or maybe you wasn't here last week. But so we have a really short review this week. The chapter 10 was basically the people getting serious with God. And so, and, and I put under that, they even signed their names. So they make a contract with God, and they sign their names. Now it gets serious when you start signing your name, doesn't it? You know, and, uh, how many of you have ever signed your names and you just feel instant sick?
1: I remember doing that, you know.
0: You sign, you, you sign, you bought a house or something, you sign your name on there and you know, oh my, God, I just feel instant sick. Your knees get weak, right? And so, uh, but it's serious when you start signing your name. And so they were ready to sign their name. So, you know, I've had this circle up here for a long time, you know, and it's, you know, how Israel would do what's right and then God would bless them. But then they would stop obeying God and it would just kind of, then they, then God starts allowing them to just sit in the, in, in the decisions that they've made. And then before long, they're at the bottom again and then they have to go back and, and do a first John 1 9. To God and then start obeying God and they'd get back on top of that again. And yet that's where they've been right here in Nehemiah. They are back on top. Now how long that lasts? Probably not that long. And so we need to remember that in our lives because we're in the same boat. There are times when we are just on cloud nine. Is it cloud nine? You're just on top. You know, you're writing and you're like, man, things are good. Things are, things are just great. And then it doesn't take very long, and you can be at the bottom again. And so, but how do you stay up high? But the people here in Nehemiah are back up on top, basic back with back with wanting to keep that relation going with the Lord. Okay, so we've seen that all the way up to chapter ten, and so chapter eleven i've I've been debating this week whether I wanted to read this chapter again because it's full of names again, <laughs> and I'm probably butchering all of them and so but I will read some of them. I don't know if I'll get through all of it, but let me read through a little bit. and so basically chapter eleven is on your handout it says the placement of the people. so the people are getting placed and you're like, well, wait a minute. I thought the people already had a place. I mean, they uh the people that came back from Babylon and Persia, they came back under Zerubbabel. They're back in the land and they had you know, they a lot of them had land that was been passed down through the, to them through the tribes. And so a lot of them went back to where their descendants were at if they hadn't lived there cuz they'd been in Babylon for how long, guys? 70 years, 70 years at least, <clears throat> 70 plus years probably. And so, they get back in the land. A lot of them want to go back to their homestead, basically. Like like Sharon lives on her homestead. Is that correct? Yes, sir. And it's been there over a hundred years, correct? Okay. And so, they want to get back there. And so, you would think everybody's where they need to be. But in this chapter, we're going to see what they need to readjust the placement of the people. And that's basically what's going on in chapter 11. So let me just read a few, uh, down through a few verses in chapter 11 and we'll back up and see if we can break some things up or break things down. Uh, verse 1. And the rulers of the people dwelt at Jerusalem and the rest of the people also cast lots to bring one of ten to dwell in Jerusalem, the holy city, and nine parts to dwell in other cities. And the people blessed all the men that willingly offered themselves to dwell at Jerusalem. Now these are the chief of the province that dwell in Jerusalem. But in the cities of Judah dwelt everyone in his possession. In their cities to wit, Israel, the priest, the Levites, and the Nethanims, and the children of Solomon's servants. And at Jerusalem dwelt certain of the children of Judah, and of the children of Benjamin, of the children of Judah, if they, if they, uh, the son of Uziah, the son of Zechariah, the son of Amariah, the son of Shephatiah, the son of Mahaliel, of the children of Perez. I'm going to stop right there, and I'm going to back up because I got a lot to to talk about in those first uh, three verses, actually. So the rest of the chapter, we may get back to it, we may not get to too much, but we'll look at it a little bit later on. But we see right off at the bat in verse one, and the rulers of the people dwelt at Jerusalem, and the rest of the people also cast lots to bring one of ten to dwell in Jerusalem, the holy city, and nine parts to dwell in other cities. So what's going on here? If you're like me, you're reading the Bible, you automatically you're stopping and going, Okay, so what does this mean? Okay. So they have a problem. So I don't know if that's do you have a blank there? Do you have is that filled in? The problem? Okay, so problem goes in your blank. So bear with me. I don't think I marked my edition today. So if I miss a blank, let me know. Okay. And so the problem goes in your blank. There is a problem right now with the distribution of the people and it's basically that there's not enough people in the city of Jerusalem to sustain it. So, they made a solution here, under B, and the solution was to cast lots to decide who would live in Jerusalem. Okay? And they decided that one in how many men? One in ten men would stay and make their homes in Jerusalem. So the Bible calls this an offering, and specifically a, I think you do have a blank there, a tithe. Okay. And a tithe is one tenth. So a tithe was given on physical things in the Old Testament that were produced like livestock and crops. But what I want to show here is, this is kind of interesting. It's on the people. We have a tithe of people here. So we're going to look at that a little bit and figure out what, what's, wh- why do we have a tithe of people with this group? And so, uh, um, but before we get there, I want to go back and look at the lots. What did it mean by they cast lots? Now, how many of you think you know what that means? Most of you. I think most of you probably do. You know, they're throwing dice, right? <laughs> they're not? <laughs> well, what is casting lots? Drawing straws. Drawing straws. You're, you guys are being, fu- I mean, we're kind of being funny here, but I don't know how they did it, but they they did it somehow. Now, the casting the lots, you know, like throwing a dice, maybe one way they did it. I, I don't exactly know, to be honest with you. But somehow they, they had a system that they used that where they cast lots to decide the outcome. Okay, so let's look at that. Uh, just a little bit here. So in Nehemiah 10.34, just the page over last week we were looking at, they cast lots. So Anybody remember what they cast lots for there? Oh man, that was just last week. For a wood offering. A wood offering. There you go. Thank you, Cammie. So let's look at it. Verse 34 says, "...and we cast the lots among the priests, the Levites, and the people, for the wood offering." To bring it into the house of our God after the house of our fathers at times appointed year by year to burn upon the altar of the Lord our God as it is written in the law. So they cast lots among all the people that would be bringing the wood to the temple so they could do the, 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 uh, the offerings to burn at the altar. It'd be kind of embarrassing when they got there to, to do an offering and there's no wood, right? And so they cast lots to do that. And yet all through the Bible we see them casting lots. Uh go back to Judges twenty and verse nine. I'm gonna hold my place here. Well look at that. You're you're doing well. <laughs> Nehemiah or what did I say, Judges twenty and nine. Let's see if I'm in the right spot here. I may not be. Maybe, maybe my passage is in Joshua, because that sounds more like it. Anybody at Judges 29 yet? 20, verse nine? 20 and verse 9. Let's see what, see if my, yeah, read that for me if you would, Cami. But now this shall be the thing which we will do to India. We will go up by a lot against it. Oh, okay. So, in that particular passage in Judges, they're casting lots on, uh, see they're, now I gotta go back and, now I'm drawing a blank. They're casting lots, I believe, in Judges 29 of which tribe would go up for battle. Okay? But in Joshua, I'm getting the two mixed up. In Joshua, lots were cast to determine the land area of the tribes. What tribe got what land? That was by casting of lots. And in Esther, we just went through that book, right? Not too long ago. In Esther, Haman and his evil friends cast lots. Can anybody remember what they cast lots for? I know that's farther back. They cast lots on what day they were going to specify that they were going to kill the Jews. Remember, Heman and his evil buddies, they cast lots to determine the day that they were going to cast, or have the, the Jews killed, and it was all the way at the end of the year. And yet, Esther's the hero of the story. So all you women in here, you should love the book of Esther, because she's a hero. She, she got that turned around, so instead of the Jews getting killed, who got killed? Haman Haman got killed along with anybody that went against the Jews. And even at the end of the book, uh, they celebrated with a feast or a victory that's still celebrated today. And what is that feast? The Feast of Purim. Pur means lot. So it's like God used what Haman was going to do for the Jews. They were casting lots to determine when they would be killed. And yet now they have a festival... Where it was turned around upon their heads, and so the the Jews call that festival instead of calling it lots, they call it Pur, which means lots. I'm a, I'm assuming that's probably Persian for lot. Okay, so there are several places in the Bible that talks about casting lots. Okay, and so how about Jonah? Remember when Jonah when the wind came up? Uh, let me see if I have a passage for that. Um, When When they're still in the boat. I don't have the passage, but the sailors cast lots to see who was causing all the problems with the wind. And they found out it was who? Jonah. And then he's like, well, just throw me overboard and it'll stop. And they they didn't want to do it, and they finally did. though. So the sailors were casting lots. So that's why I'm kind of throwing out. It might be something like casting dice. I don't really know. Okay? So then uh, turn over to Psalms 22:18. Psalms chapter 22. In fact, I'm just going to read this a little bit, and you guys will probably pick up on uh, what I'm laying down here. But it says, uh, Psalms 22, 1, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? Does anybody know who we're talking about here? Yeah, we're we're basically looking at uh, Christ's thoughts on the cross here. Okay. Verse two. Oh, my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not, and in the night season, and am not silent. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in thee. They trusted in thou didst deliver them. They cried unto thee, and were delivered. They trusted in thee, and were not confounded. But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men, and despised of the people. All they that see me laugh me to scorn, and they shoot out the lip and they shake their head saying he trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him let him deliver him seeing he delighteth in him but thou art he that took me out of the womb thou didst make me hope when i was upon my mother's breast i was cast upon thee from the womb thou art my god from my mother's belly be not far from me for troubles near for there's none to help many bulls have compassed me strong bulls of bashan have beset me around, set me round. They gaped upon me with their mouths as a ravening ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, all my bones that are out of joint. My heart is like wax, it is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws. And thou hast brought me into the dust of death, for dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones. They look and stare upon me. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. Be not far from me, O Lord, O my strength. Haste thee to help me. Deliver my soul from the sword, my darling from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth, for thou hast heard me from the horns of the unicorns. And it goes on and on. But basically, we're we're seeing Christ's thoughts on the cross in Psalms. Okay? So, when... Uh, I'm looking at this. Yeah, it. I wanted to make sure. This is a Psalm of David, and yet he is a type of Christ, and yet he is laying this out for us, and they cast lots for his garments. Okay, now we're going to get to where Roger that. Turn over to Matthew twenty two eighteen. So I left you some blanks there for you guys just to write notes if you're writing notes. Matthew twenty two eighteen. I'm sorry. Matthew twenty seven thirty five. I'm looking I was reading my Psalms notes. I had in the right book. So <laughs> Matthew twenty seven thirty five. And we're gonna see where Psalms was talking about where David was talking about in Psalms. let's back up to 34 it says and they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall and when he had tasted thereof he would not drink well no wonder I mean here you got a guy dying for thirst and they gave him alcohol basically verse 35 and they crucified him and I didn't mean like I meant like rubbing alcohol that's what I'm thinking that's what it would be like can you imagine just dying from thirst and like somebody giving you something like rubbing alcohol to drink I I mean, you talk about cruel. Verse 35, And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. And they parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture they did cast lots. Okay? And so... You know, I, I've heard one guy speak, preaching on this once and he says, you know, while Jesus was being crucified, they're playing games. Basically, you know, throwing dice for his, for his, for his, uh, clothes that he had. And of course, we've seen all this, um, prophesied back in Psalms. But what I want to uh, point out, this must be something important here with the fact that they cast lots for his, for his clothes. Cause it's mentioned, and Matthew 27:35 it's mentioned in Mark 15:24 it's mentioned in Luke 23:34 and it's also mentioned in John 19:24 all four gospels have the verse that says they cast lots for his clothing basically not everything is in the gospel all four places but this is one thing that is so i think god took notice of it and so I'm just throwing that out, just, just probably coincidence, I don't know. But, uh, so they cast lots back here in Nehemiah for people, basically, t- that would stay, uh, in Jerusalem. Okay? Okay, thinking about casting lots, maybe you're casting lots and the people want to be chosen, or you're casting lots and the people don't want to be chosen. And here, I think it's that, you know, I don't want to go live in Jerusalem. I want to go back to my place type of thing. But okay, but the lot fell to me. I have to be in Jerusalem. Right. So that happened. I'm just, I'm thinking the same way you are. What if you, you want to get back to the, your land that you're the farmer and you're the app and, but the, you got, you fell on the 10th, the 10th one. So now, no, now you have to stay here. Okay, and so. that's why they had to do it, because there weren't enough people who said, okay, yes, I want to be in Jerusalem. Well, you also see here though in verse, in verse two, um, and the people blessed all the men that willingly offered themselves to do all Jerusalem. So there's two groups. One group, they, was chosen when they cast the lots, and another group said, hey, I'll, we'll, we'll go ahead and voluntarily come here. So there are two groups, but, the, the point that we're trying to make is they needed more people for the city here. And so um, and that's still farther down where I want to go. But I'm want to look at a little bit more back at this tithe that we've been talking about, okay? So, so in the Old Testament, everything that was tithe, most of it, was livestock or crops grown, something that was eaten, except for the money that was tithe. Outside of that, everything else was eaten. So just keep that in the back of your mind. Okay. So turn over to, uh, I think it's in your notes, Leviticus 27. And we're talking about a tithe here. I'm sorry, I, I skipped Genesis 14. So go on back to Genesis 14. So the first place we see a tithe is back in Genesis, back with uh uh Abraham. Genesis fourteen, eighteen through twenty. Okay. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, now if you guys want a good Bible study, study it out who this guy is and let me know. Because there's, I have a, I have an idea who this guy is, but I'll let you study that out this week. Come and tell me next week if you want a good Bible study, who you think it is. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, and don't say king of Salem because I already know that. So king of Salem brought forth bread and wine and he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be the most high God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thine hand. And he, Abram, gave him tithes of all. Okay. And the king of Sodom said unto Abram, give me the port, the persons, and take the goods to thyself. So anyway, in this passage is when Lot was taken captive. And so Abram gets his, gets all the people in his household, and they go after the group that that stole Lot and his family, and, and if you go back and study that out, it's a pretty good sized group of men that came and took Lot and all the people that where Lot lived at, and they were taking them back to uh, basically back to the Babylon area, and a lot of these guys were probably giants. It was probably a pretty nasty group of men. They were like three hundred. It was, it was a pretty big group. And so when Abram grabbed the guys, are you talking about Abraham guys or the other one? Abraham. Well, even Abraham's guys was just people in his household. Right. And they went after this army and just annihilated them. Yep. God gave him the victory and he brings them back. And so when he comes back, you know Melchizedek comes out to greet them and out of all the spoil that they got, Abram gave him a tenth. And that's the first time that we see a tenth here in the Bible. But the tenth there is, is basically the, the, the bounty that they got, the loot that they got when they looted this group. Okay. And so that's where we basically get our tenth in our offerings. Cause we give a tithe. And so we base that off of, of this passage right here. Now this was before they were basically called Jews in the Old Testament. So technically, Abraham here would have been a Gentile, with Gentile people all around. And so, I'm just throwing that out for, for good measure also, but my point is, this is the first time we see a tithe in the Bible. And it is an offering made up of things that you probably ate. Okay? And so, uh, uh, let's go over to Levit- Leviticus, get my mouth to work here. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus chapter 27. Now, Leviticus is, is, is another book that uh, some people think it's a little boring, but basically it basically tells us that the way to God is through sacrifice. And uh, all the feasts and the sacrifices are laid out in the book of Leviticus. And so once you begin to realize how they picture... That Christ is going to be the sacrifice. It's all comes together and like, you know what? I kinda of like this book now, because now I, I see all the pictures and all the things that come about. Leviticus twenty seven and verses thirty through thirty-two, we're going to look more at this uh tithe. Let's see if I get to the right spot here. Verse thirty. And all the tithe of the land whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree is the Lord's, it is holy unto the Lord. and if a man will at all redeem aught of his tithe, he shall add thereof the fifth part thereof, and concerning the tithe of the herd or of the flock, even of whatsoever passeth under the rod, the tenth. Shall be holy unto the Lord. So again, there's another place where we see ten, one tenth, popping up, a tithe, which is a, an offering, a, a, basically a sacrifice unto the Lord. Okay. And so, um, then I'm, I'm going to show you another place in Isaiah 6:13. Now, this one might blow your mind a little bit because it kind of blows mine. <laughs> I'll get there in a minute, guys Isaiah chapter six and verse thirteen in fact let's let's go back up to the paragraph marking uh, which is in my Bible nine. Does anybody else have a paragraph marking nine. at nine okay? So a lot of times you'll see like uh, Pastor Brian or one of the other pastors that, or somebody that's speaking or teaching. They'll they'll say, well, let's back up to Brian. I mean, I don't do it very often, do I, when I say back up? Yes. Brian does it all the time. Okay, so you back up. I'm backing up to get the context. And a good place to get the context is the paragraph marking. Okay, verse 9. Really? I do do it all the time? Okay. And he said, go and tell this people, verse nine, hear ye indeed, but understand not, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat, and make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and convert and be healed. Then said I, Lord, how long? And he answered, until the cities be wasted without inhabitant, and the houses without man, and the land be utterly desolate. Let me stop here for just a minute. So what's going on here is this is uh, the book of Isaiah is before they get carried away into Babylon. And so what God is saying here to Isaiah, he goes he goes these guys are so wicked and they've so far down the the line from from worshiping me, I'm really at a point where I don't want them to come to me. Which is really strange because it's like okay God here is a place where you don't want people to repent and get right with you and the answer is yeah because he's like you guys have done this 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 and this and I'm basically done I'm getting ready to let you guys go into captivity and hopefully you'll learn 70 years in captivity you'll come back and get right which is what's happening with Nehemiah but this is on the other side with Isaiah and verse 12 says, And the Lord have removed men far away. So where's that far away going to be? It's going to be Babylon. And there will be a great forsaking in the midst of the land. But yet, in it shall be a tenth. And it shall return. So what do you think that it's going to return? What are we talking about here? No? I'm talking about the people. So let's go back and start verse 13 again. But yet in it shall be in the land, I'm thinking that's the land, shall be a tenth and it, the people, shall return and shall be what? Ooh. Can you guys tell me what that is? Okay. As I tell, as a, t- I don't know how to pronounce this word. Tell, tile, teal. Okay. As a, pe tree and as an oak whose substance is in them and when they cast their leaves so the holy seed shall be the substance thereof here is a verse that's just wild it has a tenth in it but it's a reference to people and the reference to the people is not a good reference okay so did that happen with Nehemiah it, we haven't seen anybody getting eaten in Nehemiah yet, have we? I missed that if I, if I, if I taught on it. This must be a future event. This be so when you really start looking at this, we've got a tribulation passage here. A tenth of the people will come back, and what's gonna to happen to them? They're gonna be eaten. Okay. And if you think I went completely off my rocker here, I'm going to give you a few more verses. And you can go home and study this out. The other verses that would go with this is Psalm 16.4. Psalms 106.37. Micah 323. Ezra five ten, Revelation six nine, and Revelation twenty four. Okay, and so I know this is a little gruesome, but I, I told you guys when I see something, I want to show you. I'm going to tell you. Um, turn over to Revelation six nine. And drop. Revelation 6 9 says. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. Okay. So apparently there's some souls under the altar that have been slain. Okay. Um Just add that to the list. And let's go over to chapter 20 and verse 4 of Revelation. Chapter 20 and verse 4 says, And I saw thrones and them that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, for the word of God, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and they reigned with Christ a thousand years. These are some tribulation saints. They're getting their heads cut off because they're not taking the mark. That's not the worst of it, though. They get eaten. Who do you think's eating them? Satan and his cronies. The reference back here in Nehemiah and in Isaiah is a reference, this tenth. There will be a tenth of the nation of Israel this will happen to. Okay? I know that's pretty, pretty gross. We have cannibalism. We'll have cannibalism by the Antichrist and his group while they're sitting on the throne in Jerusalem. And again, I have tried to tell you, and I, that's why I've been trying to show you in the last few months, Satan is an evil, evil being. The Bible says he goes about like a what? Lion. A roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That devouring means Eat. So, wow. I mean, this is some pretty heavy-duty stuff. So I, I know I'm probably shocking most of you. And that's not my intent. I'm just trying to say, what does it say? Like a lion, if you watch a cat, they play with their prey. So, you know, it'll be, he's not just going to come and say, okay, I'll just take your head and it'll be over with. He'll be playing with us Yeah. and trying to get us. And that's exactly what Satan does with us. And if you're paying attention with the people that's in charge, that's basically over soft, they want to kill us, but they want to make money off us while they're doing And that, That's evil. Yeah. And just like you're right, they, we, want to, we want you to suffer while we're killing you. Kind of like a bear or a lion when they want to eat somebody. They don't make sure you're dead first. They eat you alive. They eat you alive. And so I remember going into the detention center here in Cass County with the, juvenile, with the juveniles. And I, I think I was t- quoting the verse where, you know, that Satan's like a lion. And I go, what would happen if, while we're locked in this room here, they let a full grown African lion in the room that hadn't eaten for about a month? <laughs> Kill everybody. And I had a couple of the kids who were like oh, we would jump on that lion and would wrestle him and we'd bring him down to the ground and and you know, you know, would stop his mouth. And I go, Yeah, you'd stop his mouth with your head. But I said there would be blood all over this room. I mean on the ceiling, the walls, and they wouldn't just stop at one of us. They'd kill us all. Yeah. Now they may and that's how evil Satan and his devils are. Okay, so. That may be stupid. So, is this while well, we're still here, or is this? this the, is tribulation. Okay. So, no, we'll be gone. Okay, that's what. I was we'll saying. be gone. So I think. you won't <laughs> <stupid. laughs> But Others will. <laughs> yes, because most of all the, the the really bad things in the tribulation will be after the three and a half year mark, mm-hmm. and we go out at the very beginning, so. But still, the whole point of the tribulation is to make things so awful for the Jewish people that they wake up and realize, we missed the boat. Jesus is the Messiah. That's the whole purpose. And God has to take them to that point for them to see it. Because right now they don't see it. And it's going to take, take them to get to this point when, when that, when the Antichrist steps up on the throne in, in Jerusalem at the New Temple and says that he's God, it's supposed to be a wake up call for, for everybody that's paying attention to the Bible. Whether they will or not, I don't know, but there's gonna be a group of them that don't make it to the mountains. When, and when the Bible says to run to the mountain, that means run to the mountain. Cause if you don't run to the mountain, you're gonna get caught. And if you get caught, Because think about it, all all these false gods and things, it's all about human sacrifice. So it shouldn't be a big shock to us, but it is. But they sacrifice people all the time right now. There are people being sacrificed around the world now in satanic, uh, services. And it's just gonna be on steroids during the during the tribulation. That's all it is. Okay. Somebody talked Somebody told me a long, a long way back that uh, when you talk about uh, was it K- the Canaanites and they practice Baal worship. Mm-hmm. You, that's where that word cannibal comes from. Yeah. It's a formation of those two words together. I think it was a couple of weeks ago I was talking in here about God was kind of upset with with the people and said, Kinda of like here in, uh, in, uh, Isaiah where he says, you know, I, I don't even want you to get right. You're, I'm done with you because of the things you've done. Well, they're, they they were put, they were sacrificing their children on the altar at that point. And, and God's like, that, the thought of you doing that had never even entered my mind. And it kind of tells you just how evil the people were. But again, who are they following? We fight not against flesh and blood. They got it all from Satan. So every time they worship any of that, I don't care what false god you're worshiping, you're still worshiping Satan. Okay, so pretty solemn. But this tenth here, again, run 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 the uh, cross references, and it'll bring you to wor- the conclusion that I have. Okay, so. Um, That's pretty solemn. Let's get back to Nehemiah. Okay, so it was kind of a slow chapter. I wanted to throw some stuff in there. No, that's where it goes. So, um, so number two, there were some men that volunteered to live in Jerusalem, and they were blessed. I don't know how they were blessed. Unless they just brought them up and patted them on the back. I don't know. Um, It doesn't say. It just says they blessed them. But it was a big deal because it would be like like shepherds like. She has a family farm that she wants to go back to, but no, you're one of the ten. So now you got to come and live in Jer- Jerusalem. But yet they needed it because on the back page uh, number three on your handout it shows the classes of people and it talks about number one rulers were needed, and they were needed for what do you think? What kind of work would they do? Think they were digging the ditches? No, they were needed for civil work, so government work. So you've got people that were needed to run the government affairs of, of Israel, even though they're under the king of, of Persia at this point. And then you needed priests, which were needed for God's service in the temple. Because you remember, this thing was a whole economy that was here. God had set up uh, way back in... Uh, uh, with Joshua, and even before that, the system of how everything would run if they would just do and obey Him, they would have the economy would run. I mean, everything would, would run smoothly if they just obeyed God. So you need the people for the economy. You need the rulers, the priests, the Levites, the Nethanims, uh, the children of Solomon's servants. They've got singers in there. Um, and then anyone else. And so the total number of men listed in this chapter, chapter 11, is 3,044 if we went through the rest of the chapter. Plus their wives and families to live in Jerusalem. You think, well, that's that's a pretty good number. But you got to be able to sustain the economy. you got to be able to sustain all the people that's working as well as the temple. And so there were approximately 50,000 people that lived in the land at the time. So I don't know how many people that would be, but it was in the entire land of Israel today consists of 8,500 square miles. I did some checking on that. So I don't know what 50,000 people would be in 8,500 square miles, but I compared that with Missouri. Anybody have an idea what the size of the nation of Israel is compared to the state of Missouri? Larger, smaller? Any any guesses? Smaller. It's smaller. Okay. I thought it was about the same size. Boy, was I wrong. Missouri has sixty-nine thousand seven hundred and seven square miles. Israel has eight thousand five hundred. So it's about one eighth the size of Missouri. Okay. And so again. They had fifty thousand people that would be not just in Jerusalem but through the whole land. So they had to redistribute some of the people, and the, the place that they was herding was in Jerusalem. Okay. Um so uh number uh two on your handout. The rest of the chapter basically deals with the people that are listed in the cities and in the villages. And so there are thirty two cities mentioned. In the rest of the chapter. And pretty, pretty basic stuff. Until we get down to verse 35. And 35 is kind of strange. I haven't quite got this figured out. Cause it's, uh, it talks about Lod and Ono. And it says the valley of craftsmen. And I thought, well, that's interesting. It doesn't say anything about the rest of them. It did not say, you know, like anybody in the cornfields or wheat fields here or, or whatever. But it gets down to these two cities and it says they're in the Valley of Craftsmen. And so the only other place that I can find, I think I have listed there, is in First Chronicles 4.14. And when you study out that word craftsman, it, it, and it, it basically means uh, someone who carves. So this could either be good or bad. I'm not sure which one. And so again, if you, got a te- if you guys think you got a teacher that has everything figured out, you don't. <laughs> okay, But the Bible lists it, so I'm not exactly sure what to do with it. So I'm sure that if they're not using that to make idols with, it's probably a good thing. But I'm not sure, one way or the other. I know in the New Testament, it talks about the guy that was a silversmith. He would be considered a craftsman. So I think that takes a little more work to figure that out. So basically, uh, chapter 11, we're back on top. The Jerusalem project that Nehemiah has been trying to get to is just getting the final touches put on it. Because now we're getting the people in the right locations. And so the project was, you know, what what is the Jerusalem project? What, what was Nehemiah trying to do? And I've tried to say this several times. I hope you guys catch this. Restore worship. Restore worship back in the land. The project was really getting God's people back to worship. Okay, Back on top, so to speak. And again, so I'll ask you a question. What do we do in our lives that we stay on top? Well, number one, I'll just... I've probably asked this before in here. What do you do to stay, keep your fellowship with the Lord strong? I read His Word. Can you read His Word? Confess your sins. Confess your sins. Pray. 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 Come to church. Come to church. Serve the Lord. Go to the arm. if you're not doing that, you're not right, no, no there's a lot of things to do in our church, so there's there's some good things. In other words, be a part of what God's doing. You know I, I've thought about how how sad it is when somebody goes to you know the Jehovah's Witness church and and you know they they mop the floors and clean the toilets there and they think they're doing a great service. I think they're bombing, number one, because they're not in the right, they're not in a location that God's gonna ever bless them. And there's not gonna be any reward for that. There's not gonna be anything eternal come out of that. And I think even if you go to a church that teaches and preaches the Bible, and even if you just clean the toilets, and that's your only job, you're gonna still reap what that church does. Because you're involved in the right church. You're involved in a church that is seeing some eternal consequences. So every time when we're church, whether we're mowing the yard, cleaning the toilets, helping them back, doing whatever we do, as long, I I just, maybe I'm wrong, but I just think we're going to see, we're going to reap rewards for that because we're actually having, being a part of a church, a local New Testament church that, that is doing what God wants them to do. Okay. But, I, I mean, God wants us to do more than that. He really wants all of us preaching and teaching His Word, discipling people, sharing our our, our, our life with people. When people see us, they need, need, number one, go, there's something different about that guy. I get that a lot. People tell me that. You're, you're a little different. My wife's laughing that. <laughs> We're peculiar people, right? That's what we should be. But you know what when like like at work you know you may have people come and ask you to pray for them what how do people know how to do that because they see your life and that's what we need to be maybe family members hey we our son will even do that he said dad will you pray for this guy which I want him to do that, but I'm like kind of shocked he asked me that. Uh, I've had people at work come and ask me things. And I've had people at work come and go, now you're a Christian, right? Mm -hmm. And and I never said a thing. And I'm sure you guys have had the same boat. That's what we need to be. We need to keep that up. That's why I I wanted walking worthy for our class. That's what we need to strive for. We need to strive to walk worthy so we can be the example of the people around us so that when we get to the judgment seat of Christ, we have something to rejoice in, not just our life, but other people that we invest in. So I'm going to stop there. Um, did I give you guys some homework? What was the one thing I asked you to go back and study? Oh Okay, work on that one. And there's probably two or three things in there you might want to go back and study. But uh yeah, who is who is who is Mechizedek? Mikil- What's that? King of Salem. King of Salem. <laughs> You're just like that kid that you, you come home from Sunday church and you ask your kids, what did you learn about today? Jesus, the Bible, or God? Good answer. <laughs> okay. All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, just thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth in your word, Lord. In fact, that's the only truth that we're going to find is in your word, Lord. And I just pray that we would uh, study it, that we would read it, that we would uh, just... Uh, see what You have in Your Word for us that we need to live out on our daily lives, Lord, and that we would do that. So we just uh, again, we again, we do thank You that we have a Bible in our language. And I just pray, Lord, that we would take what You've given us and that we would use it to the fullest. And I pray You give us a great week this week. And in Christ's name I pray. Amen. <coughs>